1960, ITV executive Sidney Newman asked Brian Clemens to rework the Ian Hendry suspense show Police Surgeon into something called The Avengers. The programme lasted almost the entire decade of the 1960s and became integral in shaping the mod scene in England. Some of its stars, Honor Blackman, Diana Rigg and Patrick McNee, became icons of the spy movie culture that ran rampant through the middle part of that decade. These Avengers don't wear tights, they don't wield magic hammers or fancy shields, but the women are stunningly beautiful and squeezed into tight leather cat suits, so there is that. Join Thomas DJ, top professional, and Scott McGregor, talented amateur, as they journey through an England that didn't exist, but maybe should have, with umbrella, charm, and bowler. You know, that other Avengers podcast. international this month yeah. uh, on uh with umbrella charm and bowler we're we're going across into europe proper into across marseille the, across France. the channel to the, the, the france channel. of the 60s that has no french accents yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> i'm tom dj prof- top professional i'm scott mcgregor talented amateur and this is uh with umbrella charm and bowler that other Avengers podcast, and we are talking about the second episode of season two, the second uh, Kathy Gale episode called Propellant 23, which um, is a little bit of a letdown. A little bit. Compared to the last episode, I mean, they, they started out so strong, you almost couldn't yeah. match it with the second one. And how are you going to, you know, who. I don't know if it was a great call. How do you follow a talking teddy bear killer? You know, yeah. but you know they they did an admirable. There's some good stuff in this one too. It just yeah. wasn't quite as exciting. wasn't you know as much like Spycraft and stuff like that. So well, it was uh, directed by Jonathan Alwyn and written by John Manship White. That that's some name, huh? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it, it has another great teaser sequence. Man on the. Uh, on a plane to Marseille's, insists on seeing the the pilot because he's convinced somebody is there to kill him. But only after he gets a message from John Steed. So, yeah. I mean, that was a little confusing, honestly. You know, that like he gets this this air, you know, air telegram from Steed, and all of a sudden he's like, somebody's going to kill me. And I, that was a little confusing to me, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't, and that even. When you know it concluded, I wasn't really sure how that triggered him as far as knowing how he was gonna that he was gonna die. That Steed writing that letter, but um, I don't know. Maybe you can sort that one out for me. How did him getting the telegram from Steed, you know, make make him panic all of a sudden? I that I don't know. Yeah. I just. But the thing is, of course, he dies after drinking some coffee. Hmm. And then we cut to um, our protagonists, and Kathy Gale scolds him for not recognizing pictures of a famine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, Kathy Gale takes no shit. No, no, it's great. Yeah, she she keeps botching the name, too, of the country she was going to. Yeah. You know, she's not real pleased with that. (laughs) But the setup is established that this person who died 
was uh, supposed to deliver a package to Steed. That was very significant. Mm-hmm. Um, he assumes it's in his briefcase, and later they find out that it is a special kind of rocket fuel that is being used in Chinese missile tests. Yeah, we get some good spy craft concerning yeah. that, too, because we get Steed on the phone with 10-1, presumably. Yeah. one ten, one ten. 10 You know, and they're using the code. It's like, you know, the T from Shanghai or something like this, mm-hmm. and, you know, that, that you're looking for. And, yeah, and we determine it's a, a new kind of Chinese rocket fuel for their missiles. Mm-hmm. And because um, Steed doesn't even know what the package is, you know, at first. At first, yeah. Although he does know that it's apparently dangerous enough that he gets a little present for Mrs. Gale, mm-hmm. that cigarette gun of hers. Which is more than he ever gave Carol or Dr. Keel. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> yes. he just sent them off into danger with holding nothing but their their syringes full of, you know, fake acid. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, neat but, little gadget gun. And, and of course, as, as we mentioned in the last episode, she's she's a bit of an expert. So she's like, oh, you know, 22 caliber, 10 shots, yep. you know. She's just mm-hmm. like, yep, I'm, I'm all over it. She's kind of unimpressed by it. But, you know, <laughs> she's going to give me this pea oh, shooter. Yeah. It's like the one in my garter is stronger than this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we follow basically, there are basically three sets of characters. And we know somebody, one of them, one of them is looking is is a rival eight is a rival agent looking for the same right. thing, and we learn there's um, a second even. Yeah. Yes, actually, who is working with another character who is romancing one of the flight attendants. Yeah. Uh, by the way, that person that uh, is uh, a Jeffrey Palmer, who is a very very well known uh, theatrical and um, television actor. He's perhaps best known for his comedy work with another um, uh, an actress by the name of Penelope Keith, who we are going to see as we go on later. Uh, he's still alive, God bless him. He most recently appeared in uh, Paddington yeah, in 2014. And um, he also has appeared in, I think, two of the uh, Pierce Brosnan uh, James Bonds. Yeah. Thus continuing, as I said, this kind of symbiosis between the Avengers and James Bond. Uh, also in the, just, great, has this... the great Poirot TV series for an episode. Yes. And he also, uh, he's one of our Doctor Who, but not the biggest one, one of our Doctor Who connections because he played the ship captain in the Christmas special Voyage of the Damned. Oh, okay. The one that that uh, co-starred uh, Kylie Minogue. Mm-hmm. I miss, yeah. So, uh, uh, which is kind of like the, the parody of the Titanic. Yeah, that I remember did. that one. He was in Doctor Who in the in seventies too. Uh, yeah, Doctor Who in the Silurians. So he's, but but he's not the biggest. There is one gentleman in, in on this. Uh, on this cast list, who is even bigger, namely Nicholas Courtney, who plays one of the Jadams at the airport mm-hmm. that is also investigating this, you know, because, of course, Steed breaks in to the, the Jadams decide to keep the uh, briefcase under lock and key because these two Englishmen are asking if they could take it. Right, yeah. And so... Steed breaks in, 
And in fact, there's this wonderful scene where they're, they're, they're sitting in Kathy's car and he goes, come on, don't you people have clothes to go to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's this really funny, like, subplot um, that's almost a throwaway, yeah. but it's kind of hilarious about one of the, uh, you know, the, the airport security guys mm-hmm. who's a uh, hair challenge, let's say, and, you know, trying different methods to get his, his noggin to get furry again. And uh, one of the items, uh, you know, that he gets given from the, uh, you know, one of the other, one of a friend of his who's who's sympathetic to his cause, right. you know, ends up securing a bottle of hair restorer, you know, f- from the uh, the briefcase and giving it to him, and then he disappears, and we we you know we find out that it's actually propellant twenty three yeah. in there, and we fear for his life, but. Luckily, he just loses all of his hair. Hair. Um, <laughs> so. It, 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 womp, womp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, the other the other group, the other, like, little group of characters we follow is this French girl who runs the bar mm-hmm. at the airport. And her boyfriend, who is... Ba- who basically quite the drinker tries- yeah he drinks a lot yeah <laughs> and um he supposedly his job is he gives out referrals to, to the hotel. hotel he works for and he yeah. gets a commission yeah. for everyone who actually showed but no nobody's interested no <laughs> he's bad at his job so he just so, wants to get drunk well that's possibly because he yeah. smells like a distillery every time he talks to somebody yeah. well, that, that's that's probably yeah. it but <laughs> um and, and the woman is the, the woman at the bar is a friend of the flight attendant who, who is kind of liaisoning with the, this doctor who was on the flight played by jeffrey palmer mm-hmm and uh, they find out that, they, that that the courier took broke down the propellant into two vials, and they don't know what what, what each vial was, was in, but they, they assume one is a flask. Right. And so there's some suspense as we watch drinking McDrinkenstein. Yeah, take the flask and yeah, take the think, flask well, that's it for and him, wander then. around and yeah. go visit his friend the baker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, is he going to, are they going to drink from the fuel? Is it, um, it's the first thing that, that strikes us about this is that with one exception, nobody bothers trying to pretend to be French in this, in this episode. Right. It, the, the bartender a little bit, like she, she yeah. throws an accent on one or two words and that's it. But yeah, yeah, you really couldn't. But like, I mean, some of them, one of the, um, not curly. One of the other um, police policemen doesn't even bother hi- hiding his northern his like north accent. No, <laughs> no, it's it's pretty lazy <laughs> for for yeah. a country that's right across the channel. You'd think yeah. they could have just thrown a little effort in there. You know? <laughs> yeah, you would think that. They could just call some people up and say, hey, you want to come over? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, or I'm, I'm betting they probably heard a French accent or two in their day. You know, <laughs> this is before yeah. the channel, but, you know, yeah. come on. Um. <laughs> why? I was wondering why, because we only really see, we see Kathy in her car. How did she get her car there? Yeah, pretty <gasps> much. It was one of the sets, literally. It was yeah. just her car in this one. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, I, I mentioned that the biggest name, biggest Doctor Who connection we have here is Nicholas Courtney, okay. who plays Captain Legros, one of the one of the the, the uh, air, airport cops. Nicholas Courtney is one of the most significant characters in Doctor Who history. He pl- he played starting in I think seventy two. Uh, the first color season of Doctor Who, he played the character of Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart, who uh, is was a, a main player in the, the the three John Pertwee seasons. Was an off and on player in every other epi- in every other uh, Doctor's run since then. Right, and uh, his daughter is a character in the new series. Oh, no kidding! That's cool. So. He is a. Um, yeah, he's he been ran... playing a brigadier up till I got two thousand four here. Yeah, yeah, it looks like two thousand four. I'm sure if he didn't, he didn't die. He they would have found a way to put him into the the new, yeah. the new series. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, brigadier was the head of unit, the United Nations International yeah. Task Force, because yeah. uh, the John Pertwee, particularly the first two seasons of the John Pertwee era were very, very influenced by spy culture. Well, he was even in a Doctor Who video game that I didn't even know existed. (laughs) Doctor Who Destiny of the Doctors. Wow. Okay. And there's... We're going to get to an episode when we get to the color uh, rig episodes called Mission Highly Improbable, Mm -hmm. where he is basically playing the Brigadier before he becomes the Brigadier. Right. Which is, is really kind of fascinating. But this is... A little bit more like a first season episode than a second season episode. Yeah, I mean, it said it didn't thrill me. It said it was hard to follow Mr. Teddy Bear, but it just it bored me in places. And it just and the one fight they had, I mentioned in the last episode that they hadn't really maybe nailed down the best choreography team yet, and it was really kind of a sad fight in this. <laughs> I mean, it's just a brief one, but it's like Steed and and uh, Kathy and you know uh, a couple of the thugs, and uh, it just was kind of like over quickly, and you really couldn't tell what was going on. Although she did get to show a little of the you know judo that she was uh, right practicing with Steed in the previous episode, so that was nice. She did get to throw down a guy. Did the flight attendant, by the way, look um, familiar to you? A little bit. A lot of actors in this did, actually. Um, well, the, the because, blonde one, you mean? Yes. Um, a little bit. Who was she? What was her? She, that's Catherine Woodville, okay. otherwise known as, um, at the time, Mrs. Patrick McNee. Oh, Mission who, Impossible. Yeah. She's been who in Wonder also Woman. Played... Eight is Enough. All right. She stopped mm-hmm. working about 79. Um, yes. Little House on but the But she Prey. also appeared as Dr. Keel's fiance. In hot snow. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, we didn't get to see much of her, so yeah. <laughs> that's probably why I didn't her recognize last appearance her. Appearance on the series. Yeah, she was in that for like maybe in ninety seconds. You know, before mm-hmm. they, she got shot. So, um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, so the recycling already begins. Oh yeah. Uh, no, but I mean the thing is, is that I think that British television. Is a little was a little different. Is always been a little different from American television. Is that they they looked at their as like a repertory 
company almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it, made, it made perfect sense for them to use the same actor four, five, six times during the course of a series, especially a series that lasts uh, almost 10 years like the Avengers did. Right. Well, I've obviously seen her in a ton of stuff over the years that I didn't realize she was did a Star Trek uh, for the world is yeah. hollow and I've touched the sky. That was one of my favorite episodes. So, um, She's in Mannix, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Kung Fu. So I saw her on Kung Fu eventually. Oh, boy. Uh, Kolchak, the Night was... Stalker. So I saw her there, definitely. Uh, Which episode Files. were you seeing in that one? Because I, uh, I, I've... Primal Scream, 75. Oh, that's the last one. That's, that's okay. one of the last ones. That's the one. Primal Scream is the one about the uh, the cells that they find in the ocean that turn into like oh, a proto-human. Yeah. yeah. With uh, Jamie Farr is in that episode Farr, as yeah. well. <laughs> nice, yeah. And, and, but, and Pat Harrington Jr. Uh, yes. That's Snyder from, from One Day at a Time. Wow. But uh, <laughs> we will we will see Jeffrey Palmer again. We will see a lot of these actors again. In addition to Palmer and Courtney, uh, John Croker, who played Curly. Uh, he shows up up again in I think season four and season seven and uh, it's it's we're gonna see we're gonna see lots of uh, lots of recurring in fact it's gonna be funny when we get to get to like the color seasons where we literally see somebody in season five and then they play a different entirely different character in season six yeah and play another character in season seven the the Linda Thorson character yeah So, um, in fact, uh, there is going to be, I think it's in season six, the second uh, color Diana Rig episode, we get to see the actor who goes on to play Mother. Okay. Playing an entirely different character. <laughs> nice. See, I don't know. I, I, this this show carries me away pretty well, that I don't think I'm going to have too much whiplash when that happens. Right. And be like, wait, is that, you know, because I, I know they're all like yeah. nice little self-contained things. So, mm. so you know, I'm, I'm used to that with watching, you know, any British TV, you know, as I said, I've watched, you know, the, uh, the Poirot series that came out yeah. a while ago. It was excellent. And that had like, you know, you'd have a Game of Thrones actor pop right. up every two episodes or something. And, you know, before Game of Thrones. And so I'm, I'm kind of used to the, the, <laughs> Shall yeah, we talk said about the, 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 the acting cool in the, in, the, in the department store? Oh yeah, that was a great scene. I mean, yes. I, that, uh, talk about your weirdness. Yeah, <laughs> our, our kinkiness factor, even. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah. You know, the um, uh, exposition scene in the lingerie shop. Yeah, uh, again, that's why my brain is kind of going, you know, to uh, to Steed and uh, and Kathy having having at least some un unresolved uh, tension going on yeah. you know if it's never actually been the deal's never been sealed I guess you would say yeah. <laughs> they definitely have the uh, the chemistry of the kind of the will they won't they you know trope of TV uh, in my opinion and what better way to foster that than you know having exposition in a lingerie shop but there's uh, that that's a real line and it's like, do you always have your calls taken in a lingerie yeah, and department? I knew exactly. I, I said the the exact the next line, like right <laughs> next to my girlfriend, as he was saying, it's like, yeah, yeah whenever possible, of course, you know. <laughs> 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 what else could you write there? That's. <laughs> yeah. 
it's just such a it's just such a strange place to have a meeting. Yeah, um, and he even slips in a flirt to the uh, the, the you know the, the oh, counter yeah. girl and like so is there anything I can get you? He's like, well, you darling, and then uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and of course she's not having any. No, <laughs> he's but she's a lot more genial than I think that than than Kathy would be in this yeah. most situation. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it, it, it's because here's this like fairly serious show, serious episode about who's got the, who's got the propellant, and yeah. it takes place in an airport, and and uh, all of a sudden we're in the middle of a lingerie shop. Oh, and it's just <laughs> gratuitous. The opening shot is just a close up of a brazier, you know, yeah. basically or a piece of lingerie. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. So yeah, that was fun, and the ultimate. I said I I, I was a little bored with the ultimate resolution of this mm-hmm. one. Um, really, no other way you could have done it. But yeah. as I said it was obvious that you know, um, it was obvious after you know, like minutes that you know there wasn't a lot of mystery to this one. It, right. it was obviously they showed you the flask that he dropped, and it's like okay, it's in that. The only mystery was whether that you know drunky was gonna kill him and the baker with the stuff before you know someone mm-hmm. rescued him, and then most of them got shot anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the baker, I think, got killed. And uh, the, the the female attendant got killed. Yeah, there's actually qu- quite a bit of a, a body count yeah, in this yeah. episode. Yeah, it got pretty murdery. Um, and brutally so. I mean, you know, basically <laughs> the ones, I mean, it all happened off scene, but the one scene where she kind of discovers that, you know, her, her suitor who's looking for the, the stuff on the plane, yeah. you know, is, is basically not the best of guys and he's just like oh honey you know kind of like Jesus I wish I didn't have to kill you but I do yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah so yeah it was kind of a grim definitely a grim episode I mean the, the guy dies horribly uh, right in the <laughs> airport I mean Steed does get to him just before he kicks and tries to get where the package is but he doesn't get it in time and and Steed was a little cold about it. I mean, he was just kind of like, oh, well, he's dead. Shit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and he has to go play later like he was the guy's friend. And yeah. it's like, I don't know if the cops are watching you, but you just kind of like, oh, no, shit, cops he's dead. the smartest people in this they, episode. They weren't, no. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, this is still a watchable episode. It's just... As, as you pointed out, a bit of a, a letdown after. Had some good humor and some great scenes still between uh, McNee and Blackman. Um, yeah, yeah. Said some really, still some really good banter written for those two. Um, and you can, you know, the, her exhaustion with Steed is is occasionally palpable, but that that adds to a lot of the humor of it. Um, yeah, I, I do love their back and forth. So this is. This is the the last we'll see of uh, Mrs. Gale for uh, I I think I'm not sure. let me take a look here I have to call up my guidebook to make sure actually I why don't I just look at it on IMDb so she does come back me. as Kathy Gale though right yes yeah, no, like, she does no okay. she she takes over the show it's just that next episode is uh is the first Venus Smith episode and I think the right. episode after that is the the first uh, Doctor King episode. Um. Oh no, no, no! It's a Kathy. So, so yeah, we're just missing. We're just gonna miss Kathy Gale for one month. Okay. Oh, I see. She's in a total of like forty-three episodes. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. She, like I said, she basically takes over. Right. 
uh, the show. Uh, there, there are six episodes featuring Venus Smith, the first of which we'll encounter next time uh, the de- in the Decapod. Mm-hmm. Hope you like wrestling. Sure. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely down to see what this show does with it. it <laughs> they throw a hell of a circus. So, I mean, I'm, I imagine yeah, a wrestling so, so match will be pretty good. <laughs> it, it's Steed and his... And, no, King is probably more forgettable. But people, people never remember Venus Smith or Dr. King. But... Um, Oh, I love me a good lounge singer. I'll remember Venus. But I will say this much. She at least has one really decent episode yeah. of the six. One of them is really decent. This one is not it. But, so, guys, if uh, we know some of you are watching along with us. So if you have some thoughts on Propellant 23, be sure to uh, send it to Sheepscott Productions at gmail.com. Did I get that right? Um, and as we did la- always, we invite you to, exp- if you're new to the Two True Freaks network of podcasts, we invite you to explore and try some of the other stuff. Um, we, can't, freely- we can't be done yet, though. We haven't done our list. So. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Plus, yes, we've only yes, done okay. 20 minutes on this podcast because we're doing two in a night, and we're, I don't want to short yeah. our our listeners just because we're tired okay. <laughs> <laughs> I need a cigarette well, badly but yeah not, you know this, this episode made me want to smoke like 10 times during it this is like yeah. a lot of smoking in this episode it wasn't good oh, for yeah. my lungs um, well, well there's a whole there's a whole plot point about cigarettes <laughs> yeah you know it's a gun in this too so yeah um, so yeah Everyone smokes in merry old England, apparently, yeah. excessively. Uh, and, and it's hard to watch without wanting to go outside every 10 minutes. Um, but w- w- at kinkiness factor, as we said, uh, you know, well, for one, we, we know there's probably been some Mile High Club stuff going on in this plane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, still say that uh, maybe... Steed and, and and Gail, you know, went in the okay. back seat uh, while they were waiting for the uh, guys to leave the office. Because okay, you and you I show? will have to agree to disagree. Why wouldn't you? I'm sorry, but you know, uh, <laughs> champagne, no champagne that I can recall. But there, there was plenty of booze in this one too. Yes, um, because <laughs> Shock loves his wine. Yeah, uh, fights uh, one fairly poor one, and and some people getting shot. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, very hey. high, very high body count, though. Yeah, uh, and it's just like nobody wanted to fight on screen in this one because there's literally a scene of, you know, when when Steed's breaking into the office, um, one of the other the bad guys have already broken yeah. in and comes up at with them with a little uh, razor or knife, and it just fades to black, and then we see Steed with a bandage on and like <laughs> and wondering if he killed the guy, but we didn't get to see any of that, so. So a lot of fights off screen on this one. Um, the strangeness factor, uh, I'll go with like Curly and his hair problems. Yes. Uh, just general and, and drunky Mick Baker's friend. Uh, you know, you never pick up a strange flask. I don't care what yeah. kind of how bad of an alcoholic you are. You just never pick up a strange glass that you don't know where it's been or flask. 60s concerns. 
clearly Cold War episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And clearly uh, a serious lack of Frenchmen in France in the 60s. (laughs) So they should probably look into that. Uh, It was odd that that, you didn't know that, did you? That. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I, I you know it was all the post seventies. I guess you know, like, you like search for the Holy Grail and Monty Python right. was the first time they actually. There was this great exodus of French people from France. Yeah, apparently in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> and hung out in the Belgian Congo or something. Um, eccentrics, uh, you know, we, we guess we could put Curly in there, although he just a man Curly, wants to get got, his hair back. We got drinking Mr. Einstein. Uh huh. And uh, the baker looked kind of kind of goofy. Yeah, you know. Um, although he was responsible, you know. Um, drunk, he wanted him to just start hitting yeah. it with him. He's like, "No, I got like thirty more loaves of bread to do, dude. Yes. I can't fucking get drunk with you yet." Um, um maybe one drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was a good thing he said no at first, even though he ended yeah. up, I think, getting shot dead later. So yeah. it didn't really save him, but. <laughs> Uh, medical subplots other than a guy dying in the middle of an airport nothing really yeah. you'll notice by the way um, that, that the, the shows don't end don't end so much as stop yeah I've, <laughs> it's like oh, no yeah, as I said, it's pretty much we've run out of time crap we yes. you know hopefully we got everything we need to in the plot <laughs> look look Steve I got you some pastries yeah. that's very nice of you Kathy yeah, that was no a nice more. little... That was funny, too. I mean, him, yes. you know, Steed's going around doing his spy stuff, and he stops to try one of yes. the baker's wares, you know, before, before dealing with stuff. And he's like, all right, put five of those on order, you know, which I don't know who filled the order, because the baker was dead, but he must, yeah. she must have just grabbed it for him. So, uh, so, so, yeah. So, I mean... Don't get us wrong. This is an okay episode. It's just such a letdown after the gloriousness that was Mr. Teddy Bear. Yeah, and it just, as I said, it didn't didn't ring all my bells for the, for the spycraft stuff at the the show before this did. But I'm, I said, I'm I'm really the the thing that stands out the most is is the chemistry between McNee and Blackman, and any time they're on screen together is good. And uh, you just keep getting little nuggets of her backstory too, and yeah, you know they're they're doing some really good work, and and his, you know, and they're, they're constantly nice referencing they like have. his experience yeah. in it, and it's like when you you know you get the whole one, you've been at this as long as I have, you yeah, know, kind of speeches, and and then she kind of just side eyes him and be like, I've been doing this too, yeah, mfer, you know. I, I love <laughs> like, the fact that. The one thing we didn't get from Dr. Keel in those two and a half episodes we saw uh-huh. was a sense of him having a life outside of his practice. Right, yeah. And... Whereas right from the start, we get a sense of Kathy having this life. Yeah. This yeah. very full and rich life that C. Cap just keeps impinging upon. Right. And that's, that's part of the funniest part of it. I mean, it's just that he's, you know, he, he kind of constantly has to impose on people to help him do these, you know, obviously good things. Yeah. But they're just like, oh, jeez, another mission with Steed. (laughs) (laughs) And you just kind of wonder what, you know, it's obviously his charm that just gets all these people to do whatever he wants them to. Uh, But but not, but kind of begrudgingly so, and that's that's kind of hilarious. So, I mean, she doesn't get as much of a... Like, there is an episode in season four where we get 
Mrs. Peel's entire effing backstory yeah. spelled out for us in uh, the house that Jack built. Uh-huh. But still, you get a very clear sense that 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 she has this life that that this that this character breathes beyond just the context of the episodes. I think it's smart writers, though, that can do that, that can give you a sense that a character has a rich backstory, but without having to go out of their way to explain it. It's just throw right. little nuggets. I've always been of the mind that you... I don't want to know Wolverine's origin. I don't want to know Han Solo's origin. I don't want to know freaking Boba Fett's origin. You know, I, I just... Well, I love a, mysterious characters. Yeah. Well, this um, is a, a, a conversation, oddly enough... That I uh, I had with my lab monkey Chris Honeywell on uh-huh. I think the May episode of uh, the Honeywell experiment about how nowadays there seems to be this tendency to answer for franchises to answer questions you never bothered asking right yeah about giving us backstory about how he got yeah you know, I, I think it was I, I think like the, the first example of this may have been. Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, but that was kind of like a joke. Yeah. It's like, here's how Indy got his whip. Here's how he got his hat. And it was just kind of, but but there it was like, it was kind of like a joke. It was kind of like a fun little wink at the audience. Right. Yeah. Now it's taken very seriously. It's like, we have to know everything about, so that sequels end up going back over the same um, Um, round that is that, you know, I mean, this is why I think so many the uh, uh, the more recent Star Wars films are, are getting grumbles now because they're going over the same beats yeah. over and over again. Yeah. And this is supposed to be a giant. You know, I'm not a Star Wars fan. Uh, you know, I'm not really part of the tribe. But you know, George Lucas in 1977 establishes that this is a whole galaxy. And yet we're always obsessed with these, these, you know, dozen people. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I mean, I'm a super Star Wars fan, but I'm still yep. of the mind that we didn't. And I enjoyed Solo. I didn't think we needed yeah. it, you know, but it was cool. No, but some things the whole backstory thing works for and some it doesn't. But, I mean, you, if you're... Well, in for a, a character like Han Solo, it's better that we don't, we didn't know. Yeah, how he did the Kessel Run, or if he even did the Kessel Run. Right. Yeah. It was. Yeah. He could have just been a, a BS artist. Of just been a rumor that padding his own resume. You. Exactly. Yeah. You know, which um, would have been a more hand solo thing to do, really. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, see, if if you wanted to bring me back to Star Wars, don't explain to me the backstory of Han Solo. Go yeah. to a director. Who's really intriguing? Yeah, and say here, here's a toy box. Make your own movie. Right. Yeah. No doubt. Like I would, I would love to see. I, I'm a big fan of Alex Proyas, the yeah. guy who did The Crow and Dark City. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see what an Alex Proyas Star Wars movie was like. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to see what a Guillermo del Toro. Star Wars movie was I'd like. I'd like to have seen what a Guillermo del Toro of Hobbit was like, but we yeah, couldn't all that, get that. Too. Uh, I, I would have liked to have seen what a uh, Guillermo del Toro Hellboy 3 would have been like. Yeah. But that's just, yeah. <laughs> uh, you could read about that 
that if you're if you're one of my Patreons, because uh, I, I recently filed an article about why. Uh, you went to see it, so we didn't have to. Thank you. No, I yes. went to see. I went to see. I'll tell you why I went to see it. Because it was directed by Neil Marshall. Yeah, yeah. And I love Neil Marshall. I think Neil Marshall. I would love to see a Neil Marshall Star Wars film. Yeah. You know. Yeah, if he'll be getting any work after this. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, I went to see this movie, even though everyone was telling me it was terrible because uh, I wanted to vote with my dollar yeah. for Marshall and say, I want you to give this man more films to direct. Yeah. Uh, the problem with this film, with the film, to, to give you a encapsulated view of it, was that it was all about building the franchise and nothing about actually telling a story. Dumb. Dumb. When you're, especially when you're trying to move away from something established with <laughs> Toro at the helm. You don't, yeah, you just do a good story. Just do a goddamn but the one funny good thing movie. Is, is that they, they tease, <laughs> um, they, they tease characters from the Guillermo movies really? in this movie. Huh. They don't... I mean, the, the, the last shot is a tease of Abe Sapien. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just... But the thing is, is, it's so much about building the world that I stopped seeing the story and started seeing, like, okay, so... It's... But... That's what I think is the problem a lot with these franchises these days. Yeah. I like the fact that we know some things. We're going to learn some things about um, Seed's military service as yeah. we move through seasons two and three. We're going to learn um, some things about his early days as a spy. Right, and that but stuff's fine, but I don't yeah. need to see. You don't have to cast a 12-year-old John Steed and let me see right. what his, his elementary school is like. Yeah, <laughs> never see that. You know, one of the only problems I had with the um, the movie, which we'll get to eventually, mm -hmm. is that it was supposed to be an origin story for right. Steed and Peel. Yeah, and it's like they don't need an origin story. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's where the writing always comes in, though. Yeah. For me, I mean, it's. A talented writer can make any character feel fully formed right. without having to hold your hand through it all and telling I you think everything. Also, a lot of writers don't realize. I mean, that it's the actor, actor too. If the actor yeah, inhabits the part, that's fifty percent of the battle. Yeah. But one of the reasons this show continues to endure is because we have these great actors, you know, inhabiting. You have Patrick McNee, you have uh, Honor Blackman, as you said at the last episode, she's got this character down immediately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see that when we when we see Diana Rigg. Yeah. We'll see, we're not going to see that with Linda Thorson, and you know, um, but that's neither here nor there. We're not going to see that if we ever get to the new Avengers and uh, you know Joanna Lumley. Mm-hmm. I but that's Joe. more, I think, of... Patsy from AdFab is... Yeah. <laughs> Joanna Lumley is, <laughs> is an Avengers girl, yes. Oh my she, God. Was, he, she was uh, the character of Purdy in the New Avengers. Okay. Which is... It's an interesting show. I'll put it that way. It's not my favorite. But uh, if we can find... I just have to find the, the 26 episodes. They, they did two 13-season episodes. 13-episode seasons. Mm -hmm. um, 
they're interesting to watch because it's the changes they make get more relevant with the 70s. Yeah. It, are, are very, very curious. But it's, uh, these characters are, and what's, what's interesting, to, by the way, is that and I, when we get, we get to season four, I'll tell you this, Diana Rick wasn't the first choice. Mm-hmm. They had cast somebody else and actually shot an episode and a half with her before they decided she's not working out. Hmm. You, you know, give, me, give me the 411 on that, or do I have to wait to season when four? We get, when we get to the town of no return. Okay. <laughs> Five years from now, or whatever it's yeah, going to be. Yeah, exactly. Back in, in the future! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, but you don't need to know every little, little bit of the... That's one of the reasons why, even though I think, I don't think it's like a god-awful movie, I thought that the Rob Zombie remake of, of Halloween did not quite work. Yeah. Because sometimes a character works better when he is just a force of evil. Even going back to the Bond connection, though, I mean, yeah. I know the more recent Bonds are more oh, oh. are more yeah. tied together, you know, narratively. And I thought I I liked the new Bonds, but I mean, I always thought the strength of the Bond movies is that they were self-contained things too. Sure, there were you know yeah. Jaws showed up in a couple things, and yeah, you know, but you general Inspector, you know, they had their their common elements, but it, they were always generally you know new new love interests, new agents, mm-hmm. new villains. You know, and you didn't have to watch 10 movies before, you know, get me wrong, I love my Marvel franchise, but it still gets, it's still just nice to watch one movie. (laughs) Even the Marvel franchise, you'll notice that the the first couple of of films, Iron Man, The Hulk, they put most of the connective tissue at the very end. Yeah, yeah. So that you could still have a self-contained kind of cool story yeah I, I i think casino royale is one of the, the better bond films yeah. i put that in like maybe the top five of all bond movies yeah uh but i think that the film got lessened when uh in inspector it's revealed that apparently lachif and dominic green and um the Javier Bardem character in, in Skyfall yeah. were all employees of Blofeld. Yeah, yeah. And it was all personal. It wasn't about a, a spy doing his job. It was about this personal vendetta. Yeah. Which is, a, which is another problem I have with a lot of... I, we've gone far afield, haven't we, folks? We did that once before. I actually got a complaint. I actually was talking to Derek Ferguson uh, recently. <laughs> And he's going, what the hell is up with that episode, that episode of the Avengers podcast where you just start talking about Doom Patrol? Well, and yeah, that was, you know, these are still in Bond world, though, in British yeah. spy stuff. You know, we're not... <laughs> yeah, too, I know. We're not going field. totally no. uh, off the rails. But um, it, it seems like also... Our point is sometimes less is more. Yeah. You know, sometimes less is more. And <laughs> there's a difference between... A show like this, where it's a man doing a job, yeah, with his with his partner, who happens to be a gorgeous woman, yeah. uh, and it seems like nowadays the same. You have the same. You have this. James Bond was a man doing a job through the sixties to the to the aughts. Yeah, 
But starting with the Daniel Craig film, he's a man with a destiny. Yeah, or a one-on-one war against, you know, whatever, you know, except my six agents, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> character yeah and uh, but but we never we never get to that point here it's it's john steed he's doing a job he's having fun doing it and like i said he has some gorgeous women doing it with him maybe so, that's what you know this one didn't excite me as much because i don't think it excited steed as much it wasn't you know <laughs> right after mr he was just like a kid in a candy shop with mr yeah. teddy bear he's just like Ooh, somebody worthy of my skills you know <laughs> No, I definitely want to see more of that, Steed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we do recommend you see it. So uh, now we were. I, I had started on the spiel, inviting people to I- explore the other two true freaks uh, programming. Uh, Scott is on sometimes weekly heroics, and. Uh, the Walking Dead cast. All my stuff is very sporadic now. This is my yep. most regular thing, and I'm ashamed of that because it used to be a lot more prolific. But <laughs> I got really sick of hearing myself talk when I <laughs> tried to do like three weekly podcasts. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I have to listen to myself talk for another hour about I, something I, I just I, talked I'm about. Kind of scared because in in May that this will be airing in June. Yeah. In May, I, I kind of promised that I would do like a, a like a two or three minute podcast every day for each of the characters right. I'm creating. So <laughs> explaining how I, you know, came up with the characters. Yeah. And I'm kind of dreading that moment. <laughs> I would either go just roll tape and just do as many as you yeah. can in one setting and <laughs> chop them yeah. up as you need to. Yeah. So, um, so you've got, like I said, sometimes sometimes weekly heroics. It's called, the well, technically, it's weekly heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV, which is way too long mm-hmm. of a title. And and mostly we've only done like movie stuff lately. We we started out strong doing like weekly recaps of the mm-hmm. the Marvel and CW shows, and and now we're just kind of picking and choosing. We're 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 focusing on the more adult stuff. Like we're doing the the Garth Ennis adaptations. We do Preacher and the Boys, and we're going to do. Right. Uh, uh, Legion again and anything else interesting. We were going to do why well, that's going to be that this upcoming season is the last season, right? Of both Preacher and Legion, yeah, okay. unfortunately. But yep, they're just starting the boys soon. So, um, but, but you know what? I'd rather have a series that knows oh, yeah, how long yeah. it's going to be on yeah, than, uh, you know, uh, a series like when originally Lost was supposed to be just one season. Yeah, well, that would have helped. They kept saved nudging, a lot of time for me. <laughs> they kept nudging Lindelof and saying, we want, want more. Yeah. So, of course, they just kept on adding questions and adding questions and not bothering. You yeah. know, that show became about the questions, and when they realized, well, we didn't think of any answers. <laughs> well, I, I'm hoping that uh, Rogan and Goldberg got, got word soon enough that they weren't. The preacher ratings were never great, unfortunately. Right. And so I'm hoping that they got word early that season four was going to be the last and that they have a chance to wrap up the comic, I mean, as the comic did, kind of. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I mean, I'm great, for example, that I, I'm a, as you know, I'm a big fan of Rob Thomas, who created Veronica Mars, mm-hmm. and he's had a show on for the last five years called iZombie. That's been like a, they, they've done 
13 episode see uh, seasons for the last four years and this season that's coming up is going to be its last yeah and i appreciate that because then they can finish the story arc and that'll be it i i yeah. rather they do that than just keep going on perpetually i I'm think that's the model that, nowadays i think a lot yeah. of showrunners shoot for that it's, it's definitely a good thing like noah holly like with legion um yeah it was basically like yeah i only really thought this out for three anyway so we're good you know yeah I am relieved that uh, season eight will be the last of the Arrow seasons because that show has been showing its wear and tear. Yeah, but at least they're going to get to go out on their own terms, too, so that's awesome. Yeah. And I hope all the CW shows get to because there are a lot of people working really damn hard on those things. Yeah. They deserve to go out, you know, on top. As top as they can. The one that I could conceivably see being open-ended is Legends of Tomorrow because they could just keep rotating characters. Yeah, I swear I, that one that was the appeal for that one for me at first and for some reason they just kind of lost me and and I've heard rumors and I really just want them to do another Constantine show with Matt Ryan. Oh, well, so, so do I. Yes. I mean that He's just that, amazing. I, <laughs> but Matt he's, Ryan he's, is But that perfect. show is too silly for John Constantine. I'm sorry. Yeah, it just exactly. doesn't work for me in it. Yeah. It, it, it it's it, he's it's Weird. He's. It's weird having him there. Yeah. No. I want a hard R type show on like FX or something with you know blood and demons. <laughs> I, I wonder. I wonder if they should have just kept him as somebody who would pop up in one of the other CW shows whenever something really dark happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But well, you can't uh, ask that, an actor to do part time like that, or he's gonna go find something else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in addition to uh, the Walking Dead. And uh, Weekly Heroics. You're also one of the major linchpins of uh, the Five Minute Freak series of uh, recent film reviews. Yeah, those are fun because a lot of times we we do a five minute five and five. You know, we almost yeah. call it now because we 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 do a little pre preamble to the movie. We go to the movie. Then we go to Five Guys Burgers and eat very loudly into Chris's microphone as we're reviewing the movie. Yeah. So that's got to be fun for you folks at home <laughs> to um, hear, also, hear me chew my food. Uh, also, you, you, you guys are kind of weirdos life. if you like listening <laughs> to that stuff, but we love you. Um. <laughs> also, you and uh, my lab monkey, Chris, is, uh, are uh, Garage uh, Sale Gloat. Sale Gloat, yes. Yep. Arguably, probably one of our network's more popular ones, I would say. At least the Ad- feedback we get. Adventures in the garage sale trade. It's never the same day twice, that's for sure. And yeah. it's, it's been, you know, it started out as like literally survival. I, I'm going to go out and buy some stuff and resell it on eBay and make some money. And I've done a good chunk of that. I've had some pretty, pretty good profitable wins. I've also filled an entire room of my apartment with stuff I'll probably never sell and I need to yeah. get rid of somehow. Please come take it from me. And, uh, <laughs> but we've just, that just gets, it's probably the weirdest thing I've ever done in any kind of broadcasting medium. And that's saying a lot because I used to be in rock radio. So, uh, but we, we found, we find these little instances of synchronicity when we go out, like there'll either be an author that's at every sale or a toy that's at every sale. And at first we just kind of poo pooed and like, eh, coincidence. And now we're just like, this is weird. Something's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
uh, go to like thrift shops and stuff? Not really. I mean, and there's a lot yeah. of them. A lot of them opened out this way yeah. because they're all trying to get. E- and even a lot of the garage sales now are just straight up trying to get eBay prices. Yeah. And occasionally you'll find literally a printout of the eBay price next to an item, and I'm just like, nope, you're not getting my money for anything. Yeah. When you want to be an eBay seller, you need to do the freaking work. This is this is the hierarchy of the garage sale economy. <laughs> You're supposed yeah. to sell me shit really cheap and I'm supposed to go on eBay and make a profit. Right. Off. <laughs> but the thing is when, when I used to do, I mean, I, I got some great bargains when I would like haunt like the, the Salvation Army shops and stuff here in New yeah. York. I, I still, one of my proudest finds was finding the first printing of created the destroyer by Warren Murphy and Richard oh. Sapir. Yeah. Uh, complete with, Cigarette advertisement in the middle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> we all remember that from the seventies. Yeah. Uh, just those advertisements yeah. might be more valuable than the book. It's weird that way. Yeah. But there, I used to joke that it was like if you put two of the Signet James Bond novels on the same shelf, they would breathe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, because you would always find them. Well. D- what is it? Uh, Grisham and novels definitely do that out in, yeah. out in the field. And whoever wrote the L for liquidation or the, the letter mystery. Oh, oh K- Sue Grafton. mysteries. Yeah, Sue Grafton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I think she's done finally. <laughs> well, probably ran out of letters finally. Yeah, yeah so I, there's got to be 26 of them, I would imagine. Marks? Right. <laughs> yeah, Hash- I, wasn't a, I, I went through a whole period where I was Hashtag like... Hashtag really- for horror. Um, <laughs> I was. I went through a period where I was really into female female private detective novels, but I never got into the Kinsey Milhone stuff. I was much more of a Sarah Paretsky, the I Warshawski fan. Right over my head. I remember, I remember you know, seeing the. the, the I'm, a, the I'm Wars- a Christie guy. That's the, I yeah. didn't really do much uh, more mystery stuff than Agatha. But I, I remember <laughs> seeing they, they did an adaptation of it in the. Um, I think it was in the 90s with uh, Kathleen Turner playing V.I. Warshawski. And that was such a disappointment. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I remember a... that. Okay, yep. That was so bad. That was like, I don't look like what I see in the mo- in the book. <laughs> Conversely, the Destroyer movie was awesome and it should have yeah. continued. Destroyer <laughs> movie was awesome. You know what they were planning for the sequel, right? No. I don't know how familiar you are with uh, the book. The not much, but I, I did the love the, the movie. Remote uh, Williams. The second film, before they decided that they were going to try to do a TV series, yeah, um, was supposed to feature the villain, Mr. Gordon's. Okay, no, not familiar. Okay, Mr. Gordon's is a android that was made for space exploration, and his <laughs> deal was... He was, first off, he was named after Gordon's Gin because his uh, creator was a lush. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, the thing is, he was what they call an assimilator. He could take anything, incorporate it into himself, and turn it into anything else. Nice. Okay. So, and his he has only one he has just one prime directive survive so uh I, he's like my favorite of all like the recurring destroyer bad guys mm-hmm. and i was like really excited especially since i think they were talking to rob team to do them like, yeah that would have been that would have been sweet yeah <laughs> i could have anyway, been interesting um 
for an hour or two far afield. <laughs> yeah, we're far afield. We got, although technically, the Destroyer novels are kind of sort of spy novels. True. Yeah. You know. Um, but to bring it back, you if you you're interested in hearing my annoying voice, uh, you can tune in to the Honeywell Experiment, where every month I force my lab monkey Chris Honeywell to watch a Grindhouse movie and report on it. Or, or uh, by this time, hopefully, the first episode of Thomas DJ's Watching will have hit the two true freaks feed, um, where I watch episode, uh, on an episode-by-episode episode basis uh, television series, starting out with uh, the DC Universe streaming service original Doom Patrol, which I have a very personal experience uh attachment to so uh, in fact in the second episode uh, I'm going to be joined by somebody right hey, yep yeah look forward to it <laughs> since, we, since we already pretty much covered episode one together on this show uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely happy to be back uh, when I can talk about that and not get in trouble by our listeners and, uh, and there's a whole <laughs> slew of podcasts reflecting Every any taste that you might have for geekery. No, uh, even, even if you're just a music fan, there's a great music podcast on our network called um, Long Play that you should just okay. yeah. Well, so, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to add a couple a couple of names of interest. I've got the I've got the the site here, so now I can accurately refer to it as the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. There you go. Wonder why I can never remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is uh, Chris Honeywell, Chris Tyler, and the Jack and Eddie boys talking horrors. Um, let's see. Some of these are, are kind of uh, sleeping. I mean, I really like, for example, the, the death and acrid smell of Gunsmoke because I'm a big Jonah Hex fan. Yeah. But I don't think Scott's done one in, in, in years. Yeah, but, I mean, for new listeners, man, there's just an amazing archive out there. I mean, so, you know. Even if some of them have been mothballed, they're still worth a listen. Yeah, we got uh, we got a, a wrestling podcast. Get back to wrestling. Uh, we got well, even though it's it's twenty six episodes in, it, it seems like it just started recently. Uh, a Power Rangers podcast, index podcast, okay. similar to this, uh, called Rangers Chronicle. Uh, the Man of Screen podcast, which is going chronologically to all the incarnations. I podcast with Mike Zumo. He's on my Walking Dead cast. He's, he's okay. really good, and he is a true Superman fan. Right. They're yeah. up to the Super Friends stuff right yeah. now, right? Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be interested when they get to the, the – um, I think it's the – was it Deep Hate Freeling or Filmation who did the one – it was a one-season Superman cartoon from the '80s, which is really, really good. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. So, um, go to twotruefreaks.com. Take a look around. We got, like I said, all sorts of stuff. We've got a, a reading podcast with Hope, yeah, and uh, called Required Reading. We've got Is It Jaws, the film podcast with Paul Spataro, which asks the, the deathly. That's this question. Yes, but is this movie Jaws? Jaws <laughs> 2? 
Jaws 3 or Jaws the Revenge. Paul had me on to do one of my favorite movies on that one, so that was fun. Yep. I'm, still, I'm still waiting. We're going to be doing, uh, at some point, we're going to be recording an episode about the uh, Soviet superhero epic Guardians. Oh, yeah. I still got to catch that. I keep forgetting it exists. It's a trap! <laughs> yeah, I'll bet it is. Oh, oh it's a trap. You know what I discovered this week? There's a Finnish superhero epic. So I'm like... What's that one? I, I have no idea. I haven't watched it yet, but I have watched Guardians both in the Russian language version and in the English language version, and it's just hilarious. Yeah, I'll bet. Uh, I'm a subtitles, man. I'll, I'll read my movies if I have to, but i got well, to hear the actors, yeah. yeah. I, I, I did... I, did a review of it with uh, Des Reddick on Dread Media that hasn't been broadcast yet. Uh, so uh, I I watched both versions so I could discuss it with him. But cool. but yeah, but highly recommended. I used to think that I, if I ever got a superpower, I'd want teleportation. Until I realized I could be a big fuck off bear man with a minigun. Right, you know, it's no contest there, really. <laughs> no contest there, yes. So anyway, so guys, uh, once again, um, the, you sent emails to uh, Productions at gmail.com. You can give us a shout-out on the Two True Freaks uh, Facebook page. Uh, we will be setting up a Facebook page, uh, Facebook page for specifically for this program. I will be getting um, on that, if, boss. Yes. If you want to contact me through Twitter, you can do so by by going to at Nocturne Tom DJ, and I'm on there quite a bit, so you will probably get a fairly quick answer if you ask me something there. You could follow me too, but I'm going to tell you not to because I get ridiculously political on Twitter, and I I try to keep that lock, stuff but... out of my podcast. So okay. um, there's really nothing for interest mm-hmm. podcast wise on my Twitter feed. I don't think. Um, although okay. I should do more lighthearted stuff and not stress myself out mm-hmm. fighting with political opponents. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, until next time when we get to meet Venus Smith, so keep your microphones all popped. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a euphemism. Um. Yes. That's not <laughs> unintentionally dirty. Uh, you know, let's usher in the uh, the summer with some Venus Smith. Sounds we'll see good. You next month. With Umbrella Charm and Bowler. Bye now. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.